When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lynn alongside Al Renato, a.k.a.'s New York sports fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Monday, December 3rd from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437. Or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again at 929-274-3437. This week, the if, ands, and buts are done. The final four of the college football playoff has been decided. We'll also recap week 13 in the National Football League, and yet another team makes it into the 2018 graveyard. We'll check out our picks in this week's six-pack and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? We don't know. Well, another exciting week in athletics. Exciting on the field and exciting in the oval room where decisions are made on what teams will be playing in the college football playoff. It's become must-watch television, even though the entire affair is long dragged out. They at least get us the top four before football starts on Sunday. Exciting games on Saturday, somewhat, to lead to Sunday and the final decision. The top four, at least for me, not very surprising based off Saturday's results. Alabama retains the number one seed. Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma, the top four. Plenty to discuss on that. We'll get to football. We'll get to the craziness of football in this week. Firings, waverings, losses and wins. But college football is on everybody's mind. And I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on this Final Four. If you were surprised, if you expected it to go this way, and what we might see now moving forward with that. Well, John, I hope you had a great week. Uh, Folks, great to be with you again. And... This went pretty much the way I thought it was going to go, except for how it ended uh, in the SEC title game. Uh, I believe, you know, I I have, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I have been ringing the bell around the square for Georgia all year long, uh, despite their loss uh, at the hands of LSU. I've been telling you and anybody would listen, I thought they were the second best team in college football. No disrespect to Clemson. Uh, I thought that they would give Alabama a snootful, and they absolutely positively did. They were in control of that football game, up 28-14, to running it, throwing it, Jake Fromm was slinging it, 
Swift, and Holland Field were running it. They were in total and complete control. They harassed Tua all afternoon. He had a horrid game, two huge interceptions, uh, trying to make literally uh, you know, gold out of straw too many times. And lo and behold, the 28-14, down the field, Georgia went, and pretty much the guy I think is the best kicker in college football misses a gimme field goal to make it 31-14, and bang, the game just flipped. Tua does take his team down the field and <laughs> throws a touchdown pass to one of the most unlikely names in terms of what this kid does. Uh, he, he throws a, a pass over the middle to the freshman Waddles, who does nothing but, okay, nothing remotely resembling Waddle. All right, and he, fly, I mean, this kid is just talk about a flyer. Uh, he catches the ball over the middle, about a 20-yard throw, and just outraces everybody on the Georgia defense to make it a ball game after the missed field goal, 28-21. Uh, lo and behold, Georgia gets the ball to midfield, but on a third and two, pass gets deflected. Down Alabama goes again with a little bit of a uh, drive, and they knock two out of the game. They knock two out of the game, and then the most ironic of twists, you know, Hollywood script, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't go to a theater and believe it. Lo and behold, Tua goes out. He doesn't go to the tent, come out this time, and there is no time uh, because it's third and long, and in comes Jalen Hurts on a bad ankle who converts the third and long with a fabulous throw takes them down the field with two more third down conversions, including the one for a touchdown. And this time around, it's Jalen Hurts in relief of an injured Tua. It's 28 all. Back to Georgia we go. Gets a little drive going again. That stalls again at 28 all. And then Kirby Smart shows that no man in America is more contradictory to his name. He makes one of the Dumbest calls, even dumber than his fake field goal, down 3 nothing in LSU. Fourth and 11 from midfield. He's got his number one recruit, Justin Fields, in at blocking back. Why is he in at blocking back? Do you think maybe that might be the indicator that something stinko in, in, in the state of Denmark might be up? And he, and he, he snaps the ball to him. Fields goes nowhere. Instead of worst-case scenario, a kick to the end zone at first and 10 at the 20 or pinning him back at the five-yard line or inside the 10, he turns the ball over to the Alabama offense at midfield in a tie game with about ballpark four to five. I don't have the exact time on the clock. You can check it for me uh, in, in the notes. But I would say probably around four, four and a half, five minutes to go. And – I mean, Hertz goes out there and he does it again. He takes them down the field again and you know, another third down conversion and then a quarterback draw into the end zone. He goes with a little over a minute to go and Alabama that looked absolutely dead in the water, just like they did last year. When Tua came in for Hertz, the tables are turned in comes Hertz. And I have to tell you, as much as I root against Alabama, I've never been happier for a kid to do what he did yesterday and come off cold. This wasn't coming in and, hey, you're going in. 
This was coming in cold on third and long and doing what he supposedly struggles at. He made five third down conversions, all great throws, and saved their bacon. They win the game 35-28. Georgia spits the bit again. Kirby Smart pulls another rock and takes his team's chance to go to the Final Four away with one of the most moronic coaching decisions in recent memory in college football. And now you have a Final Four that consists of the right teams, four teams that had tremendous regular seasons. The committee got it right, three undefeated teams in Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame, and the fourth team in Oklahoma who beat everybody on their schedule, lost one game in their biggest rivalry game, by a field goal at the gun and came back yesterday and won the Big 12 championship and avenged that loss with a great win against Texas. Were they dominant? No. But did they play a good game? Absolutely. And they won the game by 12 points. Their defense actually played pretty well for a change. Uh, no qualms with Ohio State not making it. Brutal loss to Purdue. 29 points. Get out. Almost lost to Maryland. And, you know, really not that impressive a win against Northwestern. If they're playing with slide rules, you know, advantage Northwestern. They're not. All right. Ohio State's got 45,000 kids. And Northwestern's got 8,000. No contest. All right. Plain and simple. This game was 24-21 in the third quarter. You know Ohio State was going to win the game. It's a question by how much. They did. I was a little surprised that Georgia came in at fifth with their two losses, considering the fact that, quite frankly, who was the best one on the Georgia schedule? The, Really, the apple of Georgia's schedule was how well they played yesterday against Alabama in a great loss. But you know, they don't have a great win. They have a great loss and a bad loss to a good LSU team that basically kicked their ass. So the committee got it right. My only qualm was, you know, whether Georgia would be ahead of say uh, they were, and a lot of discussion about. That one spot for the final three teams, to me, it was a no-brainer. I don't think it was ever close in my mind. Too much of this notion of let's put the four best teams in. Because if you put the four best teams in, and I would love to do that. You know I think Georgia is the second or third best team in the country. If I put the four best teams in, Notre Dame doesn't get in. Because to me, I would have Notre Dame about the sixth best team in the country. But they've got to be in. They're undefeated. Right. They played a tough schedule. They beat everybody on their schedule. They can't help it. Was it down here for Florida State? Was it down here for Stanford? Was it down here for USC? You know, they beat Michigan early. It turned out to be a really good team, not a great team. Uh, they beat a good Syracuse team, thumped them. But three or four of the teams that they normally that they played that are normally very, very good were not. Not their fault. So you can't you can't put that mark down against them. They were undefeated. They beat everybody they was to be. But if I'm going to line them up and say. You know, who do I think are the four best teams? Well, I think the four best teams you know, are Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Oklahoma, with Ohio State and Notre Dame sixth. But I can't put those four teams in because I can't leave Notre Dame out. Right. They belong there. They just, so you can't just give this, this Georgia argument, I think they're one of the four best teams. They lost two games. They gave Alabama the toughest test. Oh, wait, wait a second. Oklahoma didn't play Alabama. Clemson didn't play Alabama. Notre Dame didn't play Alabama. Ohio State didn't play Alabama. Georgia did. They lost. Just like they did last year. They played in real time and they lost again. Well, that doesn't, you know, that, if you got one loss, okay. You got two. So a great loss when it's one of two 
You're not in the conversation. I would love to see Georgia in the Final Four. But quite frankly, they don't deserve to be there. It's as simple as that. The four teams that had the best seasons, four great seasons of all the teams in America, four teams had great seasons, three extraordinary, all undefeated, one fourth team that beat everybody on their schedule, avenged their only loss, one loss at the gun. Those are my four. Committee got it right. Couple things on what you mentioned. I agree with your Alabama sentiment as well. Watching the Jalen Hurts victory tour to that win was great. There's no other way to put it. He's a great story. It's great that he decided to stick around, and it's great that he had an opportunity to showcase himself like that and kind of give everyone the sense of, like, this is why I decided to do this. When they needed me, I would be here. And it took a lot to do that. He could have taken... I don't want to say the easy way out. It's still a difficult decision, but he could have transferred. He could have tried to go somewhere else where he was guaranteed to play, and I wouldn't have blamed him for doing that. And I don't blame him for doing this. You could pick either of those two things, and it's still the right thing to do, depending on the type of person you are or the situation you're in. I will enjoy the time like Nebraska's facing now, where teams are going after them and have no problems beating them by 50 or 60 points and giving it back to that 90s Nebraska dynasty that just dominated college football for so long. Eventually the same will happen to Alabama. Just not yet. Right now they're the team to beat, and they will be for the next couple of seasons, and especially for as long as Nick Saban sticks around. Two, I also agree with what you said for this being the top four the four teams that had the best seasons. And this is why sometimes it's hard for me to get real in-depth and serious with the who's in, who's out argument three or four weeks before we get to today when the four teams actually come out. Because you could have predicted this, and, and I did. Georgia won't beat Alabama, which means Oklahoma will get in. This was a couple weeks ago, of course. It wasn't necessarily the case at the midway point. That was going to mean... Oklahoma was the best team. If Georgia was able to beat Alabama, that changes the narrative, obviously, but they could not. We've had this discussion of the best teams should be in, not necessarily the most deserving teams. This is a tale as old as time, and we see it in all sports. Sometimes we see it farther along in the playoffs, where the two best teams might be in the Western Conference, for example, and one of them won't make the finals. We see this in baseball. Perhaps a 100-win wildcard team will lose in that one-game playoff, and they won't get in. You could argue, well, the second-best team in the American League or the National League didn't get in. That's a shame. We saw it back when the NCAA tournament was win your conference, and you'll move on to the NCAA tournament. Sometimes, I'm sure, the second-best team in all of basketball could have been in the ACC, could have been in the Big East, etc., but they can't beat the number one team, and that leaves them home. So I don't have a problem with this, oh, Georgia is the second best team in college football. Well, eh, are they though? Because if they were, you could argue easily, they would have either be in Alabama or they would have either beaten LSU. And I have no reason to believe that you can be the second best team if that can happen. It's unfortunate, but that's the way sports goes. You have to win the games 
where you can safely say, hey, we did this, we did that, we've proved it, and we're clearly the second best or best team, whatever the case scenario could be. So for them to go with the four best seasons, the four most deserving, the four that don't have two losses because the precedent is still set in stone that a two-loss team won't get into the college football playoff. That's another thing you can kind of cross off your list, at least for now. (laughs) Sometimes from year to year, slight things change with the way the committee decides things. But this didn't get me in an uproar. I didn't even watch the hour-long special for it. I was traveling, so I couldn't do it anyway, but I don't think I would have been glued to my television because this is kind of how I saw things going. I don't get caught up in the UCF should be in the conversation. We will see now. I believe they're playing LSU. LSU should wipe the floor with UCF, even though they don't have their star quarterback, obviously, UCF. But we'll see them play a great team. I mean, I'm sure they'll be the, well, but people, if they do lose by a lot of touchdowns. But this weekend for me... Kind of went shock. It kind of went expected. I don't have any reason to scream and holler about the top four. To me, everything, everything went how it played out on Saturday. Once Alabama beat Georgia, that was it. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you except for the fact that I honestly thought that, as I said before, I've been beating the drum for Georgia. I actually thought Georgia was going to beat Alabama. I thought they had a real chance. I thought they were going to beat them. Uh, and I don't mean just with the 12 and a half, which I took. Uh, I almost bet the money line. Uh, I didn't, but I almost did. Well, for discussion's uh, sake, if that happened, we'll bring this up because people will enjoy this part of the conversation. What do you think the scenario would have been had Georgia won that game? And we'll say it, was, it would have been close. They would have won by, say, a field goal or at most a touchdown. What would have happened? Been, it would have been Georgia and Alabama. You would have had two SEC teams, and, and Oklahoma would have would have not made it. So would have they would they have done a one four like best I, of I, three I, in I, sense? I, I, I don't know. One more game for all the marbles. They may, have bumped, they, they may have bumped Notre Dame to four. Um, so you had Clemson, Notre Dame, but then still you could have Georgia and, and and Alabama. I think they would have tried to do something to avoid Georgia and Alabama playing right you know, playing immediately, you know, in the semis. I don't know for a fact, uh, just my thought process. But uh, as, as I said. Um, I thought Georgia would beat them. Thought they had to beat. Um, you know, and, and if not for Jalen Hurts, they would have beat them. And you know, the, the thing to remember is, you know, with respect to Alabama now, is two is going to have surgery. Uh, they say he's going to be ready for uh, the Oklahoma game, uh, and, and obviously the other one is going to be Clemson and Notre Dame. You really wonder now how ready he's going to be because surgery, surgery. There's no such thing. Your minor surgery, the old saying, is something that's performed on somebody else and not performed on you. So I'm I'm really curious to see you know what this surgery is, what kind of effect it's going to have because you know he had not been playing. You know, he didn't have a great game against Mississippi State. He had a great game against Auburn, uh, but part of that is that his offensive line gives him forever to throw the ball. They did not yesterday. Georgia had a very, very good plan, and they put a ton of pressure on him. But, you know, Kirby Smart, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, made, I thought, some very questionable decisions. You know, th- this notion, because he's got Justin Fields, who's the number one recruit in the country, that he's got to get him in with these special packages, you know, half a dozen times. 
he was in the game half a dozen different plays, which went absolutely nowhere. I think the six plays he was in for totaled about six or seven yards. He was 0 for 1 throwing the ball. He got sacked, ran the ball a couple times for a yard or two. They were wasted plays. Jake Fromm needs to be on the field every play of that game playing quarterback. That's your best chance to win. He's the superior player, the superior thrower. I don't know what's going to happen next year there because Jake Fromm is only a sophomore. And I believe he's not. I believe he's a true sophomore. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. And even if he is, he's not ready to go to the pros anyway. But he's a terrific college quarterback, and he's a tremendous thrower of the football. So this is not a Jalen Hurts and Tua situation where the younger guy is a superior thrower. There's no way Justin Fields throws the ball any better than Jake Fromm. So I don't know what they're going to do with Justin Fields next year. Was he going to stay? But getting him in the game through those half a dozen different plays yesterday hurt Georgia offensively. I know a couple times they overcame and got first downs, but another couple times they did not. And then, you know, the fake, the, the, the fake pun is just one of the most remarkably stupid decisions I've ever seen in my entire life. You're in a tie game with your playoff life on the line. And on fourth and 11 from midfield, you're going to run a fake punt with fields in the game at the blocking back. You know, so you're telling the whole world he might get the snap whether it's going to be for a quick kick or whether it's going to be for a fake punt. What could you punt? And he said, oh, you know, it was there. We just didn't execute. So how exactly was it there? They were completely ready for it. They saw it coming. You didn't even gain a yard. What are you doing? What are you possibly thinking? I'm I'm sorry. It's not as bad as Seattle throwing the ball on the goal line against the Pats, but it's not that far off in terms of the stupidity of that coaching decision. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Tua had successful ankle surgery. And they reportedly said it's about a two-week recovery time. So just doing the math, we'll figure he'll have one week to quote-unquote rehab and then one week to get ready for the game after the two weeks. So there is a good chance he'll be ready to go. Jalen Hurts' ankle should clearly be 100%. Right, I would think Since we're on the Tua discussion, let me ask you this. Just curious what you think. Based upon the entire season, but what we see last is what sticks in our minds. If you had a Heisman vote, who gets your vote? In the years plural of the quarterback when it comes to the Heisman voting, it's it's hard not to still give it to him. Even though the Georgia game wasn't smooth, it was certainly a test. And even though he's not necessarily playing these elite teams week after week when they don't have to play him for halves, some of it reminds me of like a a Steph Curry-esque type game where he'll come out hot, hit eight or ten threes, and then he doesn't have to play the whole second half, and he's still circling records that could possibly be broken just because of what he was able to do when he was playing. I mean... He's not playing elite defenses, but you still have to make throws. You still have to put the ball where it'll be successful. You still have to make the actual plays. 
it would be very hard for me to argue for someone else. And we, we have seen flashes of great quarterback play. The Ohio State quarterback these past three or four games showed up. The West Virginia quarterback didn't really. Kyler Murray's doing his thing with Oklahoma. I, I think maybe he can argue for it. But I don't know. I, I, I don't see them going against Tua. If it was my vote, I would most likely give it to him just because of the the woe moments I think he leads the way for this season. Yeah, I think two is going to win, uh, but I think Murray should win because Murray had the better season because Murray didn't have one bad game, not a one. And in the, the biggest games of the year for each team, Tua was awful yesterday. And, I mean, he was awful. He was terrible. He threw two huge interceptions where he got baited, right? Uh, he made a number of terrible plays and terrible throws. He was pressured. Look, I understand he's banged up, but that's part of your plan. So when you're playing, you know, you got all the credit against Auburn. You stunk yesterday. So you're taking heat. Murray was fabulous again. Got after a slow start, finished strong, led his team, played terrific, threw the ball incredibly well. Didn't run a whole lot yesterday. Didn't have to. A uh, couple big runs when it counted. Murray is my Heisman Trophy winner. I don't think he'll win it. I think he's going to wind up finishing second. Maybe Tua wins it by a lot. But I know if I was on the fence yesterday, no-brainer for me. Uh, you know, One guy has another terrific game. The other guy's off. And to me, Murray had the better season. Well, and a good Absolutely argument, too, a great argument for his point is he needed to play that well for them to win several of those games. He needed to have those games for them to win. We saw it yesterday. Tua could play awful. Somebody else could come in and, and get them to win. That's exactly That's right. not going to happen at Oklahoma. So he has that going for him. I think everybody was just oohed and awed by what Tua was able to do early in games and throw for five or six touchdowns before you can blink, and they might have missed what was going on in Oklahoma. It should be against a lot pretty closer mediocre, Against a pretty mediocre right. competition. Right. Because their SEC schedule was nothing, or SEC schedule was really nothing to write home about, with the exception of LSU, uh, who didn't score. And Tua was okay. He wasn't great. Because uh, that LSU defense is very good. And then obviously yesterday, where he was horrible. We'll switch to the National Football League. If you're a loyal listener of the show, as I'm sure all of you checking in now are, you know that for me, two teams to this point have made the 2018 graveyard in the Jaguars and the Falcons. Now, obviously, both of those teams are officially dead at this point, but when we threw them in, there was a little, I guess, glimmer of hope. I'm still waiting now. Are you ready to throw anybody into the graveyard yet? Now, unfortunately, there's, there's one team that, that I was waiting on, and you mentioned before the show that their coach, as of today, tonight, it's not breaking news, but it's fresh, he is in the graveyard, not by choice, after the game, had, a, had an unfortunate walk-the-plank moment, he is in the graveyard. That team, I was waiting for, and I've missed the boat because they're done, and I didn't get a chance to rant on them. Are you ready to throw anybody in? Because I might have a couple as we go on as well. Well, besides the Packers? They're dead. 
we missed the Packers. We missed the opportunity the, to do it. That's the unfortunate the pa- part. The Packers, you know, simultaneously with their coach, uh, we can say sayonara to because today they lose at home to the Cardinals of all teams uh, who go down the field at 17 all convert a third and long, third and 23, I believe, on a great catch by Larry Fitzgerald. Go down the field, kick a field goal to take the lead, and Aaron Rodgers takes his team back down the field, not as far as he would like, obviously. Um, and Mason Crosby, uh, don't get me wrong, it's not an easy field goal. But you know, we're, we're, we're not used to seeing him miss big kicks. And he had a game earlier this year that was literally on his toe. He missed, I believe, four cost in that game. And he, he misses today, I believe, from 49 at the gun uh, to, to put it into overtime. They lose again, and they're done. Absolutely, positively done. Stick a fork in them. Bye-bye. Sign out. Four, seven, and one. It's over. The GOAT, over though, Al. Aaron Rodgers, the GOAT. What happened? Well, I'm not going to make excuses for him. Remember, he's been playing hurt all year. But you still got to score more than 17 points against Arizona at home. You're, you're, like I said about two. Yeah, you're hurt, but you're out there playing. So, and he's not making any excuses. You know, he's facing the music. He faced the music last week where he said, you know, he needs to do better. He made a bad throw down the stretch uh, when he had his favorite receiver open in the end zone. And you know, today he didn't get the job done. His team didn't get the job done. And he can't fire the players, so he fired the coach. I'm not going to say long overdue for Mike McCarthy, but I never thought Mike, you know, McCarthy was, was you know, splitting any atoms. Um, do I think, I, I think he's a mediocre coach. You know, who, who was fortunate enough to be with a great franchise, uh, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, won a Super Bowl with the second one. And I, I just think that it, it's time. It's time for a new voice there. It's time for a new face. It's time for something fresh. He's stale. I think the players you know, had it. I think Aaron Rodgers has had it. Uh, and... Mark Murphy made the decision today to pull the plug. Could he have waited till the end of the year? Of course. How much of a head start do you get in making the decision now, along with, uh, you know, what what uh, what the Browns did uh, in firing their head coach? You know, both you have interim coaches now. Who's next? It, it could well be the Jets coach, who I thought was going to be gone after the Buffalo loss, but he survived. He could be next. We'll have to see. But um, I was surprised it was done now. I think if the loss had been to somebody else at home, the Vikings, the Bears, a really good NFC team, he may not have been fired. But when you lose to the Cardinals at home, when you're fighting for your playoff life and your season is over, I think that, again, no idea in reality, just outside looking in, my best guess would be the fact that it was the Cardinals certainly uh, put a thumb on the scale in favor of saying, Mike, it's time. Is there anything worse than the, the Khmer from your boss as soon as you're done doing something? Like if you went on air professionally and flipped out with a couple F-bombs and really went to town and your show ended and standing at the end of the hall hanging one foot out the door was your boss giving you the come here. 
Oh no. With the fam- my office. <laughs> the my office. Now. My office now. That's what Mike McCarthy got after this Cardinals my game. My office now or the fam we need to talk. Yeah, exactly. Right after the game, blindside, we need to talk. He's gone. And it's the sad part or the unfortunate part or however you want to look at it for the Packers is it's hard to just put it on one specific person. It's easy to in some aspects, but it's hard to in others because there's been times where Aaron Rodgers, as you mentioned, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's... Well, there's, we know there's he's some, not 100%. We know, we know, look, is anybody 100%? Right. We know he's not close to 100%. Right. There's some rumors on Twitter that he's throwing the season, so McCarthy will get fired like an NBA superstar might to get his coach out of there. I, I think that's a little far-fetched. But there's been times he's missed passes he should make. There's been times his decision-making has been great. There's been third and shorts, we're just going to throw it at the wide receiver's feet. But there's also been the ownership that has, has prided itself. Remember that commercial where they show all the draft picks that they've taken throughout the years in the first or second rounds, and then they show those guys after winning the Super Bowl. They prided themselves on sort of building from within and making these teams from scratch. That's nice, but you need a plan B if that's not working. And to hold on to a guy like Randall Cobb, pay him all that money, to, to pay some of the guys that they've been paying and not put that money in some of the different positions on the team that need it, like maybe somewhere on the defense or strengthen up the offensive line. And they've been riddled with injuries this year, especially to the O line, which they doesn't all, help. That's, that's another thing. But that's doesn't football. it seem like they're doesn't it seem like they're riddled with injuries every year? Yeah, exactly. Every, every year. year, since the, it seems like their offensive line gets beat up in preseason, and they lose like three or four starters on defense. By the time we get to the third game of the year, between the preseason and the first couple of games, they've lost three or four starters on defense for the for, for the entire season. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. It's a shame that we don't get to see Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. And but he's got to play better. Yeah, exactly. Better. I mean, there's there's only so many fingers to go around as who you can point to as the fall guys, and he's got to take you the blame. Got to find a way to beat the Cardinals. Right. Exactly. Got to find a way to beat the Redbirds at home. Simple as that. They're done. Lions, we know, are done. Bears, a wild overtime loss today in the Meadowlands. Jeez. You know, obviously, you know, in the driver's seat in the division because Minnesota spit the bid again. Just without a doubt, one of the most disappointing teams in the league with their overpaid, overrated quarterback. A lot of weapons on offense. Ten points against the Pats. I'm sorry. I know well-coached Pats defense. Ten points. Ten points is the best you can do with all those weapons. And, and this quarterback you paid a fortune to. Ten points? Unacceptable. Plain and simple. Unacceptable. So you got those two teams battling for the division. You know, out, out west, Rams in complete control. Here come the Seahawks. Another win today. Russell Wilson running wild, throwing the ball over the field. Quietly, Four too. Four touchdowns. Quietly doing passes. this. And I don't know why people aren't giving them more press and more attention. It seems like they're flying under the radar. Pete, how about we Jeez. give Pete Carroll a little crap? Yeah. You know, people think like, you know, Pete was packing it in and looking ahead for higher ground. This is one of Pete's best coaching jobs. Now, they got a very tough schedule the rest of the way. They do get the Cardinals one more, or San Francisco one more time. But they got a tough road to over the rest of the way. Uh, but still, they're absolutely positively in the playoff hunt because if you look around, the rest of the league – in the National Football Conference, or where are the wild cards coming from? 
Well, re- remember when Carolina was six and two? Four straight loss, six and six. Well, I'm glad you. So brought all them of a up. sudden, there, there's no second team right now coming out of the the NFC South. Right. There's certainly not a wild card coming out of the NFC East. You know, we know there that nine wins might win that division, whether it's the Redskins, whether it's the Eagles, uh, or your red hot right now, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, don't forget about them. Though people will be so calling our phone. Forget about what they before. did. Thursday, what they did the other day when they when they spanked the supposedly unbeatable, and I mean spanked, spanked. They hammered the Saints. Fewest total yards for the Saints since 2001. 2001, before the Drew Brees era. 2001. And all of a sudden, their much maligned coach doesn't look like a dope anymore, does he? Because he's not. He's not, a, he's not a dope. He's a pretty good coach. He's not a great coach. He's never going to be a great coach. He's a mediocre coach. Does he make a lot of decisions I don't like and we don't like his fans? None of we question. Not going for things, going for things. Tough calls. Been on the short end of quite a bit of those. But does he get any credit for that win the other day? Oh, we're not saying what a great coaching job. Are we? No, no, no. But, you know, we anointed Drew Brees and the Saints as unstoppable quarterback and this offense. And lo and behold, if he wins this MVP and, and wins the Super Bowl again, now it's time to start. Guys, they're putting up there with Peyton Manning. And God, God, God forbid, the ghost, Tom Brady. Forget about Joe Montana. Google him. The point is this, this instant gratification. Throw a guy under the bus immediately. Make the guy the greatest of all time immediately. The bottom line is this. Dallas kicked New Orleans' ass, and everybody in New Orleans you know, had him go to the Super Bowl. Had an absolutely unstoppable offense. This juggernaut offense, the greatest of all time. Well, we know that's no longer the case. So, But they're still in complete command uh, of the NFC South. Looks like there's going to be one team now from that division. Stick a fork in the Falcons. Sayonara. After what my Ravens did to him today. Dead. Carolina, Again. six and six. Six and six. That's the team, Al. That is the By team. By no means any lock on a wild card. Not even close. I'm Seattle, glad. Seven and five. Seven and five. Roll. Now in the wild card driver's seat for one of the spots, along with the Minnesota Vikings, the disappointing Vikings. And who knows what they're going to do the rest of the way. So this is, this is completely flipped. Completely flipped in the NFC. The AFC is pretty much, you know, what it's been. It's been the top of the divisions. It's New England. It's Pittsburgh. It's the Texans. It's the Chiefs. The Chargers have come back here against the Steelers. They're eight and three and clearly in a wild card. Great spot. And now the Ravens have taken charge for now of the second wild card spot. The result of in my mind, the most stunning game of the day. Not just because the Jaguars beat the Colts, but when was the last time we saw a 6 nothing final right. in the National Football League? With, with Andrew Luck, who was flying coming into that game. On fire, wasn't getting sacked, three touchdowns a game at least, blanked. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Finally, Six the, to nothing. Uh, the trash-talking Jaguars defense actually had a reason to trash-talk. I mean, they didn't really look at your record, but you get where I'm coming from. That was, that was ugly. Folks, I repeat. Close. I repeat. Your, your, your radio, your listening device, your phone, whatever you're listening to us on, is not broken. Six to nothing. In good way, and not not 
you know, not in snow, not in 10 degrees below, six to nothing. Mind boggling. I don't know. It was, it was a little boggling. chilly in Florida this week. We were hearing like in the 50s. Some people I know down there, they were a little chilly. So maybe maybe the conditions weren't primed. For well, it is, it is northern still. Florida. Yeah. So you know, maybe it didn't get out of the 50s. But you know, I, I don't think we were worried about the windshield. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I mean, and we've said it at several points already this season. Sometimes you just need to slightly pump the brakes in the National Football League because you said it. One week, it's they're the worst of all time. The next week, they're the best of all time. Let's big play picture. the game. Can we look at the big picture? Can everything not be about... Now, I, I will say one thing, however. The... the one thing I'm not pumping the brakes on is I'm not pumping the brakes on Aaron Donald, the most dominant player in the sport right now. Because what Aaron Donald is doing is beyond belief. Aaron Donald leads the league in sacks. Aaron Donald is on, Aaron Donald is on, a, is on a pace to tie or be within a half a sack of Michael Strahan's all-time single-season record. But remember, kids, Aaron Donald is a defensive tackle. He's not a defensive end. He does not play the pass rushing position. He is the most dominant player in the sport on either side of the ball. He did it again today with a huge sack, sack fumble uh, that basically flipped the game. 16-13 against the Lions. He busts through a double team, dives with both arms, takes down Matthew Stafford, causes the fumble, Rams recover, score a few plays later, turn your sets off. He is the absolutely, positively, a one-man wrecking crew on defense. You brought up the team in the NFC that I am ready to bury today. Sound taps, get the guns for the salute, I'm done. And that's with the Carolina Panthers. As you mentioned, six and two, ready to roll. Six and six, you're buried. They're now six and six, and this has been the trend that you'll notice if you watch them play an entire season. No offense can look more fluid and beautiful than the Panthers, and no offense could look absolutely dreadful, quite like the Panthers if Cam Newton isn't on his game. When that throwing style that he has, it's not quite. Philip Rivers ugly, but it's pretty close to it. When that's not working and he doesn't have it on a specific day, it is ugly. And we saw that against famous Jameis in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four interceptions to go along with those four straight losses. He looked horrendous. And I'll credit in the post game he said this one was on him. He did. I will give him that. In furtherance of what you said in terms of burying them, they lost Greg Olson for the season uh, again today to right. the, that seemingly never-ending foot, in, foot yeah, injury. I, I, 
he he should just cut that thing off and, and get a prosthetic. He's an NFL football player. He can probably make it work because that that foot, that ankle, every year now there's something wrong with it, and it's it's a damn shame because he's yep. one of the best tight ends that has and one of the, the best, best guys. Years. Right, he one is of the best guys. Guy. And, 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 and folks, what we mean is, if you want to find out a little bit of you know, what kind of guys are in the NFL, you know, these guys are behind helmets all the time and face masks. Google Greg Olson and the stuff he does off the field. Every year he's a finalist for the NFL Man of the Year. If you've ever heard him talk for a little bit, he's one of the coolest guys going. He's one of the best tight ends in the, in the NFL. And every year he's a finalist for the Man of the Year. He's just a really cool dude. It's as simple as that. And he once applied deodorant to Mike Babchek. Google that, folks, too. That'll, that'll ruin your supper, but you'll at least see what we're talking about. The Panthers, to me, are too inconsistent to be reliable. And they have looked fun with Cam for several seasons. They looked fun en route to the Super Bowl, or getting close to the Super Bowl, you know, Denver Broncos. Oh, well. But, Johnny, 9-7, and 9-7 seven, and seven is going to get you a Oh, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. They're dead to me, as in I, I'm not going to trust them to win anything or be successful in the playoffs. Seattle is 7-5 and, and on fire, but they've got a very tough schedule the rest of right. the way. The Vikings are just – I don't know what to make of the Vikings. I, I just don't. So you know, we have no idea the way that, how they're going to finish. you, you got to figure that they're going to s- steal their way to a wild card. You, you, with, with all the talent they have, it would be just in, in, an incredibly disappointing season if they don't win the division, which I don't see them winning right now. Although, how much longer is Chicago going to be without their starting quarterback? Uh, regardless of the fact that, that their backup is playing, I think, very well. But that division is up for grabs. Right now, it looks like a, a wild card could come from there. The other wild card, you know, it, it's up for grabs between Seattle and, and Carolina. That's how bad it's gotten suddenly, quickly in the NFC with the four straight losses from Carolina and Seattle on a nice run. And the Vikings continue to struggle. Absolutely. It's an offense that can't get out of its own way. They're dead to me. <laughs> so that makes three. We might, we'll, we'll surely have another one by next week. I do want to also quickly... Pay homage. Well, we know the giant. We, we we already buried the Giants. Yes. Well, Despite the fact they're playing much better. Yes. And they could get this. They could wind up seven and nine. <laughs> Can you believe? Eight, it? Eight. There's there are some teams where, like obviously they're they're dead already. They didn't really deserve being put in the graveyard because they were kind of on the border even to start the season. The the poor Giants. They're gonna they're gonna win six games, fall in the draft board. We'll see. Uh, God bless the Giants fans. Yet another season with that. But, hey, good win today. Odell Beckham Jr., two 40-yard-plus touchdown passes this season. Eli Manning, zero. And a botched (laughs) onside kick recovery today, which he just kind of, well, you you know know what? Alligator arm and wanted no part of it. He had a second of, like, they ain't paying me to catch this one. almost cost them. They're not paying me to catch this one. Football Why game. they have him out there for that, I'm not quite sure. Well, he's the hand, he's the hand state. Yeah. But you got to go get your hands on the ball. Yeah. He didn't want to stick his nose in there. 
We also need to pay homage and give a salute to Mr. Philip Rivers. Not what he's done on the field so far this season and doing on Sunday night, but what he's done off it. It was announced that he is expecting, he and his wife, child number nine, ladies and gentlemen, a full baseball lineup, a complete Eight offensive. This Eight is, or nine. This is nine. This is nine. This is nine. So we so got with the mom baseball and dad on lineup. the field. We so got the offense for football. He's got an entire offensive unit. Exactly. The whole offensive unit for Incredible. football. We, we've passed basketball by. I mean, how he's about got we saluting him? How about we salute, how about we salute his wife? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Let's dull in the mood and, and finish up here with our picks because that's, that's what always can bring a uh, high flying <laughs> brings the, brings show. the show to a, <laughs> a grinding halt. Exactly. A, a sudden stop as everyone goes, oh, here we go again with their hideous six-pack, at least for my part, uh, the worst six picks in the sport, both levels. Uh, Let's start with me, because it's always age before beauty. I got off to a flying start, uh, of course, failed miserably the rest of the way. Uh, I was uh, one and two in my college picks. Uh, I took uh, the two big dogs uh, and got off to a great start with Georgia, uh, plus 12 and a half. I got cute because I thought Pat Fitzgerald and company uh, would give Ohio State a snootful. They did for a while. They got it back from 24-7 to 24-21. But at the end of the day, the 14 and a half was not nearly enough as we know. And then I said I would never do it again, but like an idiot. They were basically a pick at home on the blue turf for the conference championship. I take Boise State minus one. And they lose in overtime to Fresno State. So I go one and two on the college front. Well, you had to give it one last ride with Boise State. I gave it one no, last ride. No, I'm done ride. now. I'm officially done now. That's it. <laughs> they're, in the, they're in the college football pick'em graveyard. Boise yeah, State for Al. They, 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 have, they have entered the graveyard. <laughs> I went with Old Faithful, except for last week. One more time. Clemson. 27 and a half. We're good. Who cares? We're all just right. Lying. You don't even look at the number. You don't even look at the number. We're all right. Just... I don't know how they managed to do it this time, but they pulled away when it mattered, and we're good. Oklahoma giving away nine. Skin of the teeth. And I went with uh, Alabama because I've done that as well this season, taking their ridiculous spreads here and there and thought one more ride for the Gipper. I didn't love this. And we've spoke about Georgia's knack for having a chance to win, not just cover, and that came back to bite me, but two and one. Okay. On the pro front for yours truly, it, it looked like I was gonna bat out here and go three and out. But once again, the Pittsburgh I, I put them, I put the Malocchio on the Steelers. Last week I take them against your Denver Broncos. They lose outright. This week, I take them at home, laying three to San Diego. They're out with a huge halftime lead. Lo and behold, they're now trailing after, since I mentioned San Diego on the move, San Diego's just scored another touchdown to take a touchdown lead. So laying three, it looks like I I may lose that one, but Pittsburgh always seems to come back. And my other two were absolute cans of corn. Uh... I took uh, the Red Hot Seahawks, who have been very good to me. Uh, I believe at nine and a half. Uh, right. I, I think it was nine and a half. Nine and a half. 
um, and, and they pummeled the hapless 49ers. Uh, and I took the, uh, the Rams uh, in Detroit, minus 10, and that was tight for a while, uh, very tight, but late touchdowns, 30 to 16. Uh, I go 2 and 0 early. Like I said, look like I'm going to go 3 and 0. But uh, barring a Pittsburgh comeback, 2 and 1 for me on the pro front, which again is like somebody else going 25 and out. So. <laughs> exactly. I got cute fading you and taking the Lions, getting 10. Maybe I'll get lucky. And it, it was close for a time, but that, that didn't work out. And then I went with the all right, these teams have to win. One does to save their season, the other to give it back life in Green Bay and the Panthers. Packers were giving away 13 and a half points. They couldn't even win. And the Panthers, three and I, a half. I was shocked. I was shocked you took the Panthers. Yeah. Shocked. They're, because uh, you have been so down on them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was going to say. Ripping them to shreds constantly. Yep. And lo and behold, you take them today against, look, Jameis Winston's a comeback kid. Yeah. Well, not only are they in my graveyard as a team, they've entered it as the pick'em team as well. Because th this is at least the third or fourth time they've burned me in our picks. So, like Boise State, throw them in. That's it. I said Ron Rivera would regret going for that two-point conversion in Detroit. And you know, granted, they got smoked by Pittsburgh. A lot of people got smoked by Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh on a Thursday night, but that was the first of the four losses. Then came the Detroit loss, and I think that really turned their season around. I really do. Al, it's always a pleasure. Next week, we'll be able to dive a little bit more into some of the major storylines in the National Football League that we haven't gotten a chance to really speak about. We can get into the NBA, talk about our Lakers, and hit in on all the stuff that we've just been breezing past because this is the time of the year where there's a lot going on in the sports world, but well, foot, NCAA, NCAA football, college football, front and center, NFL right behind it. Hopefully some MLB free agency and uh, more trade news as we get a little further along next week. Uh, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about the next Sunday night, but until next Sunday night, folks, always a pleasure. I am. Al Renato, a.k.a. from White Plains. He is John Tiny Lund. Everybody have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well, or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>